So Judges chapter six, we'll go ahead and look at, we'll be looking at verses 25 through 40 and just finishing the chapter tonight. So beginning at verse 25, and I'll read a few verses and we'll get into the study. Now it says, now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took 10 men from among his servants and did as the Lord had sent him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much, to do it by day, he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down and the wooden image that was beside it was cut, it was cut down. And the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So we'll stop right there. Father, we thank you for this time in your word. We ask that you would speak to our hearts tonight, illuminate our hearts and our minds, that we uh, may have understanding from your scriptures just to know you more, Lord, and just hear a word from you. And Lord, uh, may you just speak through me, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. And if anything wise comes from you, may you just get all the glory in Christ Jesus. So again, we thank you for this word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we look at this next portion of scripture in the book of Judges right here, we're going to continue to see the call and faith of Gideon in his life and how his faith grew and was built up over time. But again, it was not just about Gideon uh, being called by God. It was about Gideon's obedience to God and what Gideon and what the Lord has called Gideon to do and asked him to do. And that's one of the reasons why I named this uh, passage tonight, the obedience of Gideon. And you'll see that in a minute. Why? Because it's one thing to be called by God. It's one thing to be called by him, but it means nothing without being obedient to the Lord and following him and following his word and doing what he's asked you to do. Because there's many people out there. There's many people that we have out there who claim to love God, who claim to be a follower of Christ and say that they have a relationship with the Lord, but they don't keep his commandments. They don't do that. They don't do what the Lord has asked them to do. It was even Jesus who said in John chapter 14, verse 15, he said this, if you love me, keep my commandments. And also in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, he says, Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this, by this we know that we are in him. And this is something we need to remember. If, if we're going to have a a relationship with God, if we're going to claim to walk with the Lord, then we need to walk in obedience to him. It's very important that we do that he, because that's what he's called us to do. And when you walk in obedience to the things of God and what he's told you to do, you'll see the hand of God begin to move in your life and you'll see the blessings of God just begin to be pour out because when you're obedient, blessings begin to come. His hand, the hand of God moves in your life because you've obeyed of what he's asked you to do. And that's what we're going to see happening with Gideon in this next chapter. Because as we previously saw in chapter 6, the last time we looked at Gideon is that he was hiding from the Midianites and, you know, threshing wheat in a wine press. And he was just basically in a state of fear, thinking that any moment he's going to be raided and taken out by the Midianites. And as Gideon is trying to thrust the wheat, as we saw last time, uh, you can just imagine the fear and frustration that he had on him. Because, again, you're... Um, 
He's throwing the wheat up in the air. He's supposed to be on, uh, not in a wine press, but on a threshing floor where there's actually wind to blow away the unusable parts of the wheat. But he's down in the wine press trying to do that. And I could see the unusable parts because he just doesn't have the wind. Or he can't do it properly. It's just falling down, hitting him. And I could see the frustration or just imagine the frustration on Gideon. And not only that, but also thinking that at any moment, is there going to be a gang of Midianites that come by and beat me up and take my stuff or, you know, leave me for dead? So I can just sense that and his frustration that he was dealing with. But what happens is the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and he calls him a mighty man of valor. And as the Lord says these things to Gideon, Gideon begins to question the Lord. And he says, if I'm a mighty man of valor, then why have all these things happened to us? Why are the Midianites oppressing us? Where are all the miracles that I heard from the past? The Lord has forsaken us. And this is the frustration of what Gideon is going through and what's going on in his mind. And also, too, I don't believe that Gideon fully understands who he's speaking to at first. That is the angel of the Lord, which is Christophany, as we went through last time. But we know from scriptures that God did not forsake the people of Israel. But the people had gone against God's statutes and his commandments and forsook the Lord and reaped the consequences of their actions. And again, this is typical of so many people today, especially when they're living a lifestyle that's contrary to the word of God. And they're doing the things that the Lord says, hey, don't do this. Don't get involved in this. And when the people begin to reap the consequences of those actions, they tend to blame God. They tend to blame him for something happening in their life, and they get angry, and they make accusations against God just because of the consequences of their lifestyle. Instead of repenting and asking the Lord to forgive them, they start to blame the Lord. All those years of just living a lifestyle, sowing to the flesh, have finally caught up with them, and now they um, are reaping the repercussions in that lifestyle. As it says in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 39, it says, Why should a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? And also in Job 31, verse 3, it says, Is it not destruction for the wicked and disaster for the workers of iniquity? And this is something to think about, because when I was putting together this study, uh, I thought about an incident that happened a long time ago, and it was a guy that I arrested when I was working for the sheriff's department. And immediately he started blaming God when he was arrested. And um, I was working a specialized team. It was a multiple enforcement team. This was back in like 2015. And I was, uh, we would handle street narcotics. And um, for some reason, we ended up in the city of Pomona where we were at over there. And we did a search warrant on our house. But I remember arresting the guy who was there. And then we had put him in the backseat of the, uh, the police unit. But after putting him in the backseat of the police unit, we just left him there for a while because we had to collect all the evidence and everything that was going on. And I just remember coming back maybe about five or 10 minutes later and I got in the front seat of the vehicle and I was going to get ready to start my paperwork. And as soon as I got in the front seat of the vehicle, I shut my door and I still remember out of the blue, this guy asking me out of the blue, he says, is God punishing me? And I was like, what? I thought to my second, he's just telling me this out of nowhere. Is God punishing me? And I was like, man, and I asked him for a second and I said, why are you asking me this? And he told me, he was like, I sense something different with you than all the other officers out there. You, you seem to like, you, you know God, that you, you have a, a sense of God in your life. And he's like, I've been sitting here praying. I still remember him telling me, he's like, I've been sitting here praying. And, I, and he says he usually doesn't pray. And I was asking God if he was punishing me. And he, and he said that God spoke to him and said to ask me when I came by. 
And I, and I couldn't believe that. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. Because I still remember praying that day. And this is something that I made a habit of always doing. Before I started my shift, I was always asked the Lord, please use me for your glory. Whether I speak to somebody, um, give them a word of encouragement or share the gospel, or if I'm used as an instrument of judgment to take down evil. So I would always pray that. And, and I still, when he told me that right there, immediately it came to my mind, okay, this is an answer to prayer from when I would uh, drive off to work. Because like I said, I would be in the car before I started my shift and I would just be praying and asking the Lord to use me. And I thought about that right away. So I remember just saying, after he told me that, I said a quick, simple prayer and I was like, Lord, just give me some wisdom to share with this guy. And um, I remember telling him that, hey, you know what? I am a Christian and I do have a relationship with the Lord. And I told him this, I said, you know what? You need to get your life right with the Lord. I said, you're reaping the consequences of what you have sown. I said, you're out here, you're selling drugs, you're doing all this evil, this type of lifestyle is not okay with the Lord. And you're, you're reaping the consequences of it now. And I told him, I said, you know what? Give your life to the Lord and he'll change your life. I said, you need, you know, endure the consequences of what you have to do, deal with right now. But if you ask the Lord for forgiveness, he'll clean up your life. I guarantee you he'll clean up your life. And I still remember afterwards just driving this, this guy to the jail and I was booking him in. And I remember there's a, when you book somebody in, it's what's called the intake process. So you have an intake process right there, and there's another deputy that comes out to search the person or, uh, to see, make sure they don't have any weapons or extra drugs on them. And I remember that guy that I arrested, he was standing there, and I remember he asked me, hey, man, can you pray for me? Pray for me and just remember me. And I said, you know what, dude, for sure I'm going to pray for you. I, I, remember, I will real remember you, and I will pray for you. And I still remember the jail deputy looking at me like, man, what's wrong with this guy? Like looking at me like I was crazy because I was going to pray for somebody. But just for the moral of that story, it's like so many people blame God for their own actions that they've got caught up in, the consequences they got caught up in. Instead of just, like I said, repenting and turning away. And that's what the nation of Israel had done right here. They had blamed God and they had forsaken the Lord. And again, right here, um, Gideon was saying the same things to the Lord that God had forsaken them. But we saw that the Lord does not even entertain that. He doesn't entertain that uh, thought or question. Because in uh, verse 16 of Judges chapter 6, it says, And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And this is something we need to remember. If God has called us to a task or he's asked us to do something or step out in faith for doing a work for him, then we need to remember that we do not need to be afraid. Even if it's just you by yourself. Because sometimes it is going to just be you by yourself while everybody else is off to the wayside. But we need to remember that the Lord will protect us along the way. He will equip us to do the work of service for him. And remember, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. There's nothing too big for the Lord to handle. It says, the scripture says in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And the answer for that is no with the Lord. And for us, if we're faced with the task and the work that God has called us to do, it may seem way too big and way too big for us to handle, but it's not for the Lord. For the key thing um, is that God will be with you or with me, whatever he has called us to. Here's something to remember. One person for the Lord is a majority, and it's enough, and it's always going to be enough, even if you're by yourself. 
because you're not by yourself. The Lord is always with you. It says, the scripture says in Romans chapter eight, verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If, if God is for us, who can be against us? Or it's like how Jonathan um, said to his armor bearer when he went to take on the Philistine raiders and it was just the two of them. And this was um, back in First uh, Samuel chapter 14. And this was Jonathan speaking to his armor bearer and it's First uh, Samuel 14, six. And it says, then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. And that's a true statement right there. It's a real statement. That's real true. Nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or working with many or working with very little or just a few people. And if you're a man or woman who wants to be used of the Lord in a mighty way, all you got to do is step out in faith and ask the Lord, hey, you know what? Use me. Use me in whatever capacity you want to use me in. And I guarantee you, see what adventure the Lord takes you on. See what adventure he takes you on. Because he's taking me on an adventure. And I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 19 years old, and, and I'm 43 now. And it's been an adventure. And all I've done is ask, you know what, Lord, use me when, whatever you want me to use me for. I, you know, work in me and through me so I can glorify your kingdom. And that goes for anybody else here as well. But again, you may even ask yourself, and you may even have some doubts, like, you know what, I've made too many mistakes in the past. I struggle with this sin or this certain area in my life, and I can't be used of God and that's okay because, again, when you do that, you're truthful with the Lord. And all you need to say is, Lord, help me in this issue. Help me to step out in faith. Clean me up in this area so that I can be used of you. And I guarantee you the Lord will honor that prayer. And like I said, he'll, you'll see what he does for his purpose and glory in your life. And so we see what happens to Gideon in his life. Because Gideon right here... He builds an altar to the Lord, and he provides the best sacrifice and, and offering to God. And even though Gideon is poor and impoverished, he gives to God the best of what he has. And this was a lot for Gideon to do because he didn't have much. But he gave the best meat and bread and not just the leftovers of what he had over to the Lord. And the Lord accepted that offer right there. He accepted the offer which was laid on the rock. And he touched it with the staff, and it says fire rose out of the rock and uh, consumed the offering. And then the angel of the Lord descended out of his sight. And again, I always think about that. It's like, man, that would have been an awesome sight to see. But, um, but practically speaking, what we can take away from that as well, and this is something I wanted to share last time, um, and just wanted to share a little bit more clearly. When the Lord calls us to a work or whatever work we're doing, and whatever capacity you're in, whether it's your job, whether it's ministry, um, because we're all called as workers in the body of Christ. We're all called to do something for the Lord or just be a representative of God. We are to give forth and put forth our best effort for the Lord and not just half-heartedly. We're supposed to put forth our best effort in the work of what God has called us to do. And again, it's always a full-time commitment to the things of God. And we're not to compromise in those areas. We are to love the Lord with everything we have and we're to walk with him daily. It says, the scripture says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And this right here would have do daily. 
We present our lives to the Lord as a living sacrifice to him, to be used by him, to have our minds renewed in him day after day so that we can be guided in our life in his perfect will. And every day we should be just saying a simple prayer, Lord, may your will be done in my life on earth as it is in heaven. That's, that's something I always tell the Lord. Lord, may your will be done today on life, in my life on earth as it is in heaven. May you transform me in the renewing of my mind so that I don't follow the patterns of this world and lead me and guide me into your perfect will. And the Lord has done that. He answers those prayers. He honors those prayers because they're truthful and they're honest with him. And here's one other thing I want to point out with Gideon and this, um, the last portion, but I wanted to expound upon it because I didn't get a chance to share it last time, but it says in verse 24, Judges chapter six, it says, so Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it is still in Ophrah of the uh, Abarites. And I wanted to point this out because Gideon right here, he's about to face his biggest battle in his life and enter into war and conflict that is just beyond him. And he's gonna need the peace of the Lord in his life with him. So when Gideon builds this altar, it's also a reminder that the Lord has appeared to him, that the Lord has called him to this work and to this task and this ministry that he's put before him. And, and, uh, and this, is, this altar right here, it's an encounter with the Lord. It's an encounter with God, and it's also a remembrance. And this is very important in our lives as well, because we, are believe, we as believers, we're going to face some struggles in our life. We're going to deal with some battles that we have in our life. We're going to deal with sicknesses or diseases or, or a loss of a job or finances or dealing with loved ones that uh, have died or just some struggle that comes up. Or even in our walk with God, you know, sometimes the enemy wants to hit us so hard that he wants us to throw in the towel and quit. But we're not to do that. And even if you're involved in ministry work, this is something that's very important. If you're involved in ministry work and your heart is just set on serving the Lord, you're going to have spiritual warfare that comes up against you. There's going to be opposition from the enemy that wants to stop the work of God in your life and to keep you from moving forward in the things of God. And because you're going to encounter those struggles and those difficulties and the hardship, you may even begin to question yourself at times and say, you know what, is this what the Lord has called me to? Because I'm struggling right now. I'm struggling with the will of God for my life. I don't know which way to go. This can't be God's will. I'm just going through a tough time. And when you experience that in your life, you need to remember the altar and the encounter that you had previously with the Lord. Remember that. How God spoke to you beforehand. He called you to walk with him. And then he has not left you. He has not forsaken you. And you can look back on that altar in your life, on that difficulty that you're facing now and say, you know what? I know the Lord was with me. I know he has called me. And I'm going to remember what he's done in my life. And I'm going to keep moving forward. His word is truth, and I believe it. Because like I said, we all face at some point in our life some struggle, some big battle, but the Lord will see us through. It says, it says, it says in Philippians chapter one, verse six, it says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And also in 1 Corinthians 1, eight, it says, he will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So remember the altars in your life. Remember that. Remember your encounter with God, especially when you encounter difficulties in your life. And here's something I like to do. I like to journal those type of deals where the Lord speaks to me or I really have a, you know, feel that sense the presence of the Lord in my life. And I'll write that down just in a journal so that I can look back 
on what the Lord has done and not forget. And I think that's so important in our own lives as, as well. Don't forget what the Lord has done, even when you encounter those difficulties, because life can hit us hard at times. But remember, the Lord is with you. So again, looking at verses 25 through 28 of Judges chapter 6, and getting into the study now, it says, now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has cut, father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took 10 men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose in the morning, there was an altar of Baal torn down and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down and the second bull was uh, being offered on the altar which had been built. So right here we see the faith of Gideon began to be put into action. And it begins to be built up as the Lord starts to move him one step at a time in his faith. And these steps of faith are teaching Gideon obedience to the Lord. And each step he takes, Gideon is just, like I said, he's growing more and more and trusting the Lord and what he's uh, called him to do. And for us, sometimes, like I said before, that's how our walk is with God. The Lord leads us at one step at a time so that we don't get overwhelmed with the task ahead. And as we walk in obedience to him in that step of faith that he's called us to do, then he will continue to build on that faith within us and open the doors for us as we move. And you'll see his hand of blessing move on in our lives as we move forward in him. But again, it's stepping out of your comfort zone, stepping out of your comfort zone, whatever the Lord has asked you to do and stepping out in faith. Because as people, here's what happens. We want to tend to be what? Comfortable. We want to be comfortable. We just want to go with that which is familiar with us. Just want to have the familiar. But that's not how the Lord works in our lives. He always calls us to step out of our comfort zone and into something that's the unknown. And that's the hard part at times, stepping out into the unknown, not sure what's, what's going to happen. But even though it can be a fearful thing, we, we trust God and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to step out in faith and see what happens. And it's not easy to do at times, but that's often how the Lord works in our lives. He calls us to trust that we step out in faith so that we know it's him who's with us and we can remember that. Because it's fear of the unknown, like I said, and not knowing what's going to happen. And anyone who tells you it's easy just to step out in faith and do a work for the Lord, they're lying to themselves. It's not. It's difficult at times. You really have to die to your flesh. Because it does take courage and it takes strength for me to trust in the Lord and say, you know what, I'm going to trust you, Lord, even though I don't understand quite knowing what's going to happen or what's going to go on. And that could be anything that the Lord has asked you to do or anything he's ministered to you or spoken to you about like, hey, you know what, the Lord's like, hey, go speak to that person over there on the street. Go share with them some over there. Go do this ministry work over here. And sometimes with that, we say, you may get afraid and say, you know what, I can't do that. I can't do that. But the Lord's like, hey, you know what? Now I've called you. You're, 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 you know, you're my follower. I want you to share with others. That's where we have to say, you know what, Lord, give me some courage in that. Because it's hard at times. It is hard. And like I said, the Lord will honor prayers that are honest with him. And you say, Lord, give me some courage. He will honor that and fill you with the spirit so that you can do what he's called you to do. 
And that's what, like I said, that's what we see with Gideon. He steps out in faith and obedience to God, even though he's afraid. He's still obedient to the Lord, and he goes out to, uh, at night to destroy uh, his father's Asherah pole and the altar of Baal. And if you remember as well, if you studied previously, the Asherah pole was an idol used to worship Baal, and Asherah represented what was known as the goddess of fertility, sexual love, and war. And how the people would worship Asherah was that they would take like, you know, a limbless trunk and they would carve it out and then plant it into the ground and then, you know, uh, form it into a god or whatever. And then it would be placed next to the altar of Baal who represented like the storm god. So it's supposed to represent like reproductive uh, type deals um, and just becoming fertile. That's what it was supposed to be. And these two gods, they were always worshipped together. But how they worshipped these gods, it was always like sexual orgies or lust, almost like a huge party, like the, like, um, I can think about one party, the, the Mardi Gras type stuff, like in uh, Louisiana. And my people are from Louisiana. I mean, I'm Creole myself, and, but I, I've never gone into Mardi Gras. <laughs> I don't think I'd be doing that. Um, but I did go down to Bourbon Street one time. And I tell you, man, it was crazy and chaotic. I don't know if you guys heard of Bourbon Street, but... It, it, it's just life of the flesh down there, all types of sin going on. And after, I mean, I walked down there just to check it out when I had gone there. This was back in like 2016 because we had a family reunion. And um, I was like, hey, this is enough for me. There's people all running around drunk, uh, just getting crazy. And it was just too much. So I was just like, you know what? I don't need to be out here. This is not of the Lord. So, it, and I still remember this one guy. It just comes to my image. There's some guy wearing a sailor hat and like hardly any shirt, just standing in the middle of the street drunk. And I was just like, man, this is crazy. I'm out of here. And that, that's how um, <laughs> Asherith and Baal would be worshipped. It would be orgies and lust and partying and just craziness. So, but getting back to Gideon, we see that Gideon did what? He did what was asked, him by, asked of him by God. And even though he was afraid, he did it anyway. And he took some men with him from his father's household, and he went out and destroyed the, uh, the altar of Baal and Asherith. And he replaced it with an altar to the Lord. And that's important right here because this right here was a test of obedience, uh, Gideon's obedience. If Gideon was going to be a judge and if he was going to be a deliverer for the nation of Israel, then he needed to show that he was openly sold out for the Lord and that he was obedient to God. And that he was willing to remove and get rid of those things in his own household, which caused Israel to stumble in their relationship with God in the first place. And that's practical application for us as believers. If we're going to do any work for God, if we're going to be used greatly by the Lord in any type of way or capacity, or if we're claiming to be, you know, walking with Christ, then we need to be obedient to the Lord in our lives. And if he said, hey, you know what? I need you to get rid of these things in your life for me, these things that don't please me, then we need to do that. These things that have caused me to have a stumbled relationship with the Lord or a broken relationship, we need to give those things up. Because that right there is true obedience. And to me, it's always, I always think about whatever the Lord has spoken to a person specifically, whatever he's pointed out in your life, like something that's hindering you, pornography, you know, anger, gossip, getting drunk or using drugs or whatever area he's brought up to your mind and says, hey, you know what, that needs to come to me. Then we need to yield those areas to him. We need to confess those areas to him so that we can overcome. Because he wants every part of our lives to be for him. Not just some of it, but all of it. And that's how we can move forward in the things of God and have the victory of the Lord in our life. 
Because here's something that's very important. You cannot move to the next steps that God has for you. You cannot move to those next steps without dealing with the areas in your life that are causing a problem for you. Because if you don't end up dealing with them, then they're going to end up taking you down. They're going to end up hindering your walk with the Lord, and you're going to have broken fellowship with God. And again, too, we can't hide those things from the Lord. He sees all things. I can't hide those things from you. As it says in Psalm 90, verse 8, it says, You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. That's pretty powerful scripture right there. Because again, it's like we do have secret sins that some of us hold on to. And we need to give those things up. Because we cannot move forward in the Lord and be used by him if we don't first deal with the areas that the Lord tells us to deal with in our lives. I can't move from point A to point B unless I deal with that first part. And one other thing I want to point out with Gideon, when he destroys his father's idol, is that he went against his own household. And that's something big right there. He went against his father and he went, to, went against his own household and he destroys the altar of Baal. And, and, and I'm thinking to in your own life is going to cause division in your home. It's going to cause division in your household and even in your immediate family at times. Family members may come against you. They may be upset. They may say, hey, you know what? You've abandoned the faith that I raised you in. And I was raised Catholic um, and I stopped believing for many years and didn't want anything to do with that. And then later I became a believer in Christ. And then I actually went back to the Catholic church for a while, but I had a hunger and a desire just to know the Lord Jesus. And I remember um, even joining a youth Bible study over there and they were kind of into the worship of Mary. And I was like, Hey, aren't we supposed to be worshiping the Lord? And they kind of really got upset with me. Cause I was like, Hey, no, this said this Bible says we're supposed to follow Jesus, but they were really upset. And so I remember I ended up leaving that study, but I remember telling my family too, um, about the Lord because they were still going to the, you know, the Catholic church. And I'm like, hey, we're supposed to be following Christ. This is my decision now is to serve the Lord and, and do what he's asked me to do and not just follow the traditions of men and what men have said. And it caused a lot of strife even in my own family, uh, strife between my family members at times. It was real hostile too. And I remember just being a brand new believer at the time. You know, I was even teaching Bible studies at that young age. I, I mean, I just had a fire for God. And I was 20 years old teaching studies. And I remember I had got into it with my father. I was, I was living at home at the time. He had said some things to me and was like, hey, you need to either choose between this family or this, this uh, Bible study of yours. And I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to choose to serve the Lord. I still remember telling him that. I said, I'm going to serve the Lord. And my dad's changed now. I, mean, I love my father, but this was back then. And I said, you know what? I'm going to serve the Lord. It was him who, who cleaned me up. It was him who was there for me when I was in a jail cell at the age of 17. I said, I'm going to serve God with all my heart. And I still remember he got upset. And I was like, and I, was, I said, you know what? I'm going to just move out. So I took my stuff, not knowing what was going to happen to me. I moved out at the age of 20 and, you know, trusted in the Lord for faith, not knowing what was ahead of me. I knew it wasn't going to be an easy road, but the Lord took care of me. Here I am now, and all things have worked out for his glory. So that's something I remember. But again, this does happen in families. As, as it says in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 39, and this was Jesus who said this, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. 
He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his, uh, does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And right here, these are some hard sayings by the Lord, but it's true. A decision to serve Christ in your family will most of the time result in division. Some family members from the, for the Lord, some family members not for the Lord. And if you love your, your family, your father, your daughter, your mother, your wife, or your son more than you love God, he even says right here, you're not worthy or you're not fit for the kingdom. The Lord has to be first in your life. Because when you love the Lord first, because then you can love everybody else. But it's always putting the Lord first. Because some people will even put their kids as an idol before God. Or they'll put their wife. And you can't do those things. Because family at times, they can lead you down the wrong path and away from God. And they can say, you know what? I raised you this way. You're supposed to be following what I've taught you. But you know what? The truth is in you know, the word of God. Follow what the Lord has to say. So, so again, moving on to verses 29 through 32 of Judges chapter 6. It says this. So they said to one another, who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die because he has torn down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a God, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. Therefore, on that day, you called him Jerebimbal, saying, let Baal plead against him because he has torn down his altar. So right here, we see the men of the city and they see that their precious idol is destroyed and their altar is torn down that has been built. And then the altar of the Lord has been put in place. And all these men are upset about it. And the men quickly figure out that, you know what, Gideon has done this. He's destroyed our altar and uh, our idol. So they want to try to kill him for that. And so they go to Gideon's father and they ask, hey, man, bring out Gideon so that we can kill him. And this right here, it shows the depravity of the people at the time of trusting in and worshiping idols. And how powerful, too, that the worship of Ashtoreth and Baal were in Israel at the time. It just so, shows how far the people had gone from the Lord within a short amount of time. And as I was thinking about this too, I was thinking about our own nation in itself. It's like, I can't help but think how far our nation has gone just in a short amount of time. I know um, even within these last 10 to 15 years, how far it's gone away. Because the country, like I said, it was founded upon the Lord and was founded upon the principles of God. And what's happened is uh, people have turned to their own foolish wisdom to worship that instead. And in that wisdom, they sought to do things like redefine you know, marriage between a man and a woman and redefine the genders of male and female and try to describe a person as non-binary, which is ridiculous if you ask me. Um, and you have those who say even today, you know, well, those type of things and those idols that are, those were worshiped back then. We don't worship idols today. We don't do that stuff today. My response to them is, you know what? Look what happens on the internet. Look what people watch online. It's nothing but all times of forms of lust and various types of worship. People are so enamored with that. And then they go out and practice those things as well. 
But as it says in Psalm 115, verse 8, speaking of idols, it says this, those who make them are like them, so is everyone who trusts in them, which an idol is nothing. But you become like you worship. You will become that person, what you worship, what you think about the most. The thing, and here's something that you could think about too. What you think about the most, that you worship. What's on your mind in the morning when you first wake up? What do you put your heart and soul into most? It's that that you worship. It should always be the Lord, especially when you wake up in the morning. Direct your voice to him and say, Lord, thank you for this day. That's what I always tell people. That's what I always do. Lord, thank you for this day. Be with me. But we see one other thing in this passage as well that Joash, uh, Gideon's father, as he defends his son. And I believe right here, Joash, I, I believe... He's starting to see the actions of himself as well, that the idol and the altar were torn down and that an altar to the Lord was built. I believe him seeing that right there, it really convicted his heart. And he even began to question his own actions about, you know what, what am I worshiping? My son just tore down this altar. And I believe Joash even knew that, you know what, I'm going in the wrong direction. This is not the direction I should be going. And now seeing that the altar of the true and living God of Israel has been rebuilt, it probably kindles something in his heart. And he's like, you know what? I know what the truth is, and I know I should be worshiping the Lord. And sometimes that's all it takes for someone to see and get their life right with God. It's to see someone standing strong for the Lord, to see someone living for God and standing up for the things of God. That's all they need to do, especially if they're dealing with a trial in their life or they're dealing with something that's very uh, difficult, especially in a generation that we live in right now, a wicked generation. If they see somebody that's living for God, they're going to say, you know what, this person's different right here. What is it that this person has? And it's the Lord in their lives. And that, all that does is it causes that spark for someone to know the Lord. And, and it does inspire others to come and seek after God. It's like what the scripture says that Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. And so we see Joash right here. He's inspired by his son's actions because he even confronts the men of the city who want to kill his son. And they say to him, would you plead for Baal? Would you, would you save him? Let the one who pleads for him be put to death by morning. If he is a God, then let him plead for himself because this altar has been torn down. Let this false God plead for himself. If he's a God, then you know what? He can defend himself on these things. And this right here was bold on Joash's part. And it was also a very logical argument to the men because he basically told the men, if you're offended by this and if Baal is a real God, then you know what? Let, let him try to defend himself on these things. And that right there, it's, it's a strong challenge to the men. And to the one who would defend Baal to say, you know what, is this God real or not? And to me, just like Joash, if those gods or religious systems are real, then let those gods or religious systems defend themselves in a certain way. Or those gods of higher power, what people call it. Let them seek to defend themselves. Or even bring about a prediction in the future. Because the Lord doesn't have to do that. With Christianity, the Lord defends himself. And here's what I mean by that. You can know that the Lord is real and that the word of God is true by future prophecy. You can know that his word is true. Only God can foretell the future and what is to come. And he proves that the scriptures are true. There's no other religious book out there in the world that can foretell the future and the things to come except the Bible and the word of God. It's the only one out there. You're not going to find future events of prophecy that have come to pass in the books of like the Quran or Buddhist books or any type of other religious book that have accurately foretold future events like the word of God has. And that's because God's word is true. 
There's no other like it. And one of the biggest signs I always tell people today is the nation of Israel. The Lord promised that he would bring them back into their land in the latter times. No other nation in history has survived any type of um, exile for thousands of years and then returned to their land, not once, but twice. Because if you see most um, histories of people that have been exiled or conquered by another people, what happens with them? They're assimilated into that culture and you're never uh, heard from again. Their people group gets lost, but not with the Jewish people because the Lord said, you know what? How can I give up Israel? How can I give these, them up? I love them. And he says, you know what? I will bring them back into their land in the latter times. And it happened again. If you look at the date, May 14th, 1948, and that was a miracle from God, the nation of Israel rebirthed in one day. That's awesome to see. That's how you know that the word of God is true. God knows all things. He's created all things. And he can declare the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. And even as the Lord spoke to the prophet Isaiah, and he challenged the works of idols, and he even said this, Isaiah 41, verses 21 through 23, he says, present your case, the Lord says, bring forward your evidence, the king of Jacob says, let them bring them forward and declare to us what is going to take place. As for the former events, declare what they were so that they may consider them and know their outcome or announce to us what is coming. Declare the things that are coming to come afterward so that we may know that you are God's. And also in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 7, it says, And who can proclaim as I do, to let him declare it and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come. Let them show these to, um, let them show these to them. And also Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10, it says, Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. And that's awesome right here. These scriptures right here are awesome because, again, no other religious book out there besides God's word has more accurately told the future events. And that's how you know you can trust the word of God. And that's how we know as well that the Lord can defend himself. So getting back to Gideon right here, you know, I just thought of something real quick. I'll just share it real quick. Um, there was a comedian, I think it was several months ago, but they were up on stage and I remember they were mocking the Lord. I don't know if you guys remember this one, mocking the Lord Jesus and saying some things. And I still remember as soon as she said something about the Lord Jesus, all of a sudden she had a, um, a stroke on stage or was it, was it a, I think it was a seizure and she fell and hit her head on the ground. And I was like, wow, that, that might've been the judgment of God right there because that don't usually happen. And she said there was nothing wrong with her. And she was like, I don't even know why it happened. But I remember she fell on the stage and cracked her head. But I just always think like, man, the Lord can defend himself. He doesn't need me to go out there and mess some things up. And I don't mind defending the faith, but the Lord can always do it much better than I can. So yeah, that's what I always say. <laughs> yeah. So getting back to Gideon right here, we see this in verse 32 of Judges chapter 6 that Gideon also earns another name which they called him, which is Jerebrabel, which means let Baal plead, plead for himself. And again, this takes some boldness on Gideon's part. And just remember this, whenever we step out to do a work of faith for God or whenever we want to get serious about the things of the Lord in our lives, here's what's going to happen. The enemy is going to try to oppose you in any way and shut that down. Because the enemy, Satan, he does not want you moving forward in the things of God. He doesn't want you growing in the things of God. And he wants to take back the territory that you took from him. 
He wants to do that. So there is a real spiritual warfare out there that takes place, and opposition will rise up against you. But we need to remember that God said, if he is for us, then he's going to keep us from the evil one. And we can step out in faith and do what the Lord has called us to do. And as it says in Jude chapter uh, 1, verses 24 and 25, it says, Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God and our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. And I love that verse right there. Him who was able to uh, keep me from falling. Him who was able to keep me from stumbling. The Lord Jesus Christ from now and forever. Amen. So again, looking at verses 33 to 36 of Judges 6. It says, then all the Midianites and Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet and the Azarites gathered behind him. And he sent messengers throughout all of Manasseh and who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. So right here in these scriptures right here, we see the enemies of the Lord are starting to gather, gather against Israel, and they're crossing over to try to fight Israel now. Then all of a sudden, um, the enemy suddenly presents himself in a sudden force, an overwhelming type force. And I was looking at this, and I was even thinking, I was like, man, this is a spiritual warfare tactic to the enemy which wants you to focus on the problem that's ahead of you and not keep your focus on the Lord and what he's called you to move to the task. Because when you're doing something for the Lord, here's what normally happens. Distractions come, things happen, and the enemy tries to present himself as an overwhelming force against you. And, he, and things are gonna start to happen which normally wouldn't even happen. And that's just true. It's just small distractions in your life or even a big distraction. And it's to do what? Get you distracted so that you don't focus on the task ahead or on the work of God. But here's what Gideon does with this. When the overwhelming force occurs and the circumstances you know, come against him, it says the spirit of the Lord comes upon him, comes upon Gideon. He blows the trumpet of war and he sends messengers to the tribe. He says, no, let's gather up. In the midst of the enemy coming against Gideon, he is all of a sudden, he's supernaturally empowered by the spirit of God to gather the people and to assemble the army. And I was thinking like, you know what? This is often how the Lord works within us. As you're in the midst of the battle, as you're in the midst of dealing with the crisis or dealing with difficulties and hardships and battles you face in your life and just trying to live out, live your life for God and step out in faith, the enemy's going to come against you. But here's what happens. The Lord will supernaturally empower you to deal to, for you to keep moving forward so that you can deal with the hardship. You can deal with the struggle and he'll be with you because the Lord often stretches us. He stretches us so that it's beyond ourselves for, so that we don't rely on ourselves, but we rely on the Lord. And again, you will be supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he's gonna keep you moving forward in the things of God. As it says in Psalm 56, four, it says, in God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? And also in Psalm 94, verse 19, it says this, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your comfort delights my soul. And I love that scripture right there, Psalm 94, verse 19, because if I'm ever anxious, if I'm ever feeling anxiety about something, let the word, the word of the Lord comfort my soul. Let me find comfort in the Lord. So right here, we see that Gideon is able to move forward as a leader, and he gathers the men together, 
And he doesn't quit as a leader. He doesn't give up. He doesn't give up in the midst of opposition. He doesn't turn and run away in the multitude that's coming after him. But Gideon, he stands firm in the call of God. Because like I said, there's one thing that the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to give up in your walk and say, hey, you know what? This is too hard. But just remember, the Lord Jesus is with you. He will be with you. He will see you through. So looking at uh, verses 36 through 40. So Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece on wool on the threshing floor. And if there is dew on the fleece only and it is dry on the ground, then shall I know that you will save Israel by my hand. And as you have, as you have said, and it was so when he when he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it be now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew all on the ground. So right here we see that Gideon, he's starting to see that the battle's becoming real. And that he's going to have to go and fight the, the Midianites and the Amalekites. And anybody would be overwhelmed with the task that's, that's right there. You, you got way outnumbered by the army that's going to be happening, which is going to be like 135,000 people, and you maybe only got, what, 30,000. So it's going to be a huge battle. So Gideon is like, you know what? He's starting to get overwhelmed in the mind. I guarantee you that's what's happening. He's getting overwhelmed, and at some point he's kind of losing faith, and he needs the Lord to show him a sign so that he can keep moving forward. And again, like I said, I'd feel for Gideon in this because anybody in that position would feel that way. But here's what Gideon does. He prays and he asks God, he says, you know what? Give me a sign that you're with me. Show me that you're with me because um, I need you to be with me. I need to know so I can keep going. And this is where the term that uh, Christians get this term as well, putting your fleece before God, or let's put out a fleece before God, which comes from this passage right here. And again, this... Um, this doesn't show a lack of faith right here when Gideon is asking this because Gideon is looking for confirmation in the Lord. He's looking for confirmation in God's will and that he's headed in the right direction. And there's two things we should keep in mind about the fleece. And it's often misunderstood about the fleece is that, you know, he's looking for some sort of guidance is what Gideon is doing. And that's not what Gideon is looking for. He's not looking for guidance. He's looking for confirmation that I am in the will of God and that you're with me. He was making sure he was in the will of God because, like I said, he's going to fight a huge battle right here and he's going to take on uh, and go through some heavy warfare. So the Lord gave Gideon a supernatural uh, sign twice with the fleece, once showing the wool fleece that it was, you know, it was wet and the ground all dry, and the second time showing the fleece and the ground all, all around him wet. And the Lord did this. He did this to strengthen Gideon's faith because, you know, like I said, Gideon was still struggling at times and he was facing a huge battle. And I think about this too, with us as believers, you know, even seeing with Gideon, like I said, there's spiritual warfare that takes place. And the enemy at times, he seeks us to doubt the call of God in our lives. He wants us to doubt the call of God and wants us to doubt if we're going in the right direction. And that will happen. And you can even imagine too, the enemy whispering into, you know, even someone's ear is like, hey, you know what? You're not really called by God. Look what actually is happening out there. And you can start to be your own worst enemy at times and allowing 
the enemy's attacks to also you compound with your attacks saying, you know what, maybe this isn't the call of God. And we can battle that in our mind at times too. But what happens even with, with Gideon is that the Lord gives him a sign. And I believe too, anyone here that's been called to a leadership position in any type of way or any ministry position or even as a pastor has been attacked that way before. If you're out there leading the charge and they're leading the troop, there's gonna be some point that comes against you that says, you know what, you're not good enough to do this. You're not good enough to keep moving forward. You might as well quit right now. But like I said, that's all designed by the enemy to get you to question the call of God. And when we do have that, we can call out to the Lord and say, you know what, Lord, I believe his word. Show me a sign. Show me a sign. Show me that I'm walking in the right direction and that this, you know, give me confirmation that I'm in your will. It says, Psalm 86, verse 15 says, it says, show me a sign for good that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. I love that verse right there. I love that verse because so many times I've asked the Lord, Lord, give me a sign that I'm in your will. Give me a sign that I'm walking in the way you want me to go. And he does answer that prayer. And he does show me, he, gives, he brings people around me that'll give me confirmation that I'm headed in the right direction. And it, all, that's all I need to keep going forward in the Lord. So here's something too. How do we seek the will of God in our lives and know it's from the Lord? This comes by most time by just being in prayer and seeking the Lord about your situation and reading his word. And again, it's okay to ask for confirmation from the Lord or ask the Lord for a sign, but make sure it's from the Lord. Make sure it's from him. And that's like I said, it comes by mostly through prayer, reading his word and confirmation through even other believers. And I'll just share one last story again um, just before I close. Uh, I remember it was uh, 2017 and I was working with the sheriff's department and I wanted to join the narcotics team. And um, been working a long time for the street level narcotics team. But I was like, you know, I want to move on to the next division. So I started praying about that and seeking the Lord, like, Lord, I want to move into this next division and go to this other route. And I just remember the Lord put it on my heart to speak with the captain. And I was like, okay, that's not normally how you do things. You don't speak with the captain. You don't go to the captain's office and say, hey, I want to switch divisions here. It doesn't work like that. There's a rank and structure that takes place. You have to start from the lowest, which would be the sergeant, and keep moving through the ranks. Um, but I remember the lower kept putting it in my heart and say, you know what, you need to talk with the captain. So I let that to go by a couple of days, but I just remember the Lord continuing to put on my heart and say, hey, you know what, speak with the captain about this. And so I remember thinking, and I remember praying, I said, you know what, Lord, if this is you speaking to me about this, I said, you know what, let me see the captain coming in the uh, underground where we park our units. I said, let me see her that day in the afternoon. Because this is the thing is, too, I would never see the captain in the afternoon. I would start at 1500, and then I'd work to like um, 03 a.m. Captain was usually gone by that time, or I didn't see him at all. So um, I, never, I never really saw her. But again, I still remember... Like a couple days later, ask, after asking the Lord, say, hey, you know what, if the, let me know if this is from you. Show me a sign. Let me see the captain. If I see the captain walking by me in the underground, then I will go and, and speak with her, and I will know this is from you. And so I remember a couple days went by. <laughs> I remember going back to work, and then I ended up um, you know, getting dressed in the locker room, coming back out to my unit. I remember opening the trunk, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the captain is walking right past me. And I'm like, wow, okay, this is a sign from the Lord. And this is confirmation because that did not happen. And I said, you know what, Lord, this is you. 
So I took that opportunity right there and I said, you know what? I walked over to the captain and said, hey, captain, do you mind if I speak with you about uh, joining this division? And she said, sure, come on into my office. So I remember we went to the office and sat down. I told her, and I still remember after that, so let me make some phone calls. And I remember you know, later on that night, I was transferred to that division. And that's not how it normally works. But the Lord answered my prayer in that, and he gave me a sign. And I was like, man, praise God. So we can't ask the Lord for confirmation. That's what I wanted. It was confirmation. Again, so as we conclude this study right here, what we see with Gideon, it was the steps of um, obedience that Gideon took. And as he began to take those steps of obedience, um, the Lord began to reveal himself more and more to Gideon and bless him as he was being obedient to him and just you know, showing him signs as he walked in the steps of faith. And again, it's not just about being obedient in the big things for us, but it's about what he's called us to be faithful in, even just the small things. And as you do so, watch the Lord bless your life as you step out in faith and just watch him bless you as you walk in obedience to him. So let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time in your word. Lord, we ask that we would uh, walk in obedience to you. Step out in faith and just walk in obedience to you, whatever you've called us uh, to. Lord, um, we love you with all our hearts, souls, and strengths. And we ask that, Lord, that you would continue to keep us in your path, keep us in your will, and show us great signs and mighty things in our life, Lord, that we know it's from you. So, Lord, we thank you for all things. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.